So, morning. Um, nice to see you all. Um, so, yeah, I'm Michelle. I'm one of the team here. I think I know most people if I don't come and say hello to me um, because I'd like to know you and get to know you. So, last week, um, Dan kicked off our series um, on simplicity, a spiritual practice that helps us in our walk with Jesus. As with all spiritual practices, they are a way to live differently, to allow Jesus to be central in our lives. And as we center our lives around Jesus by spending time with him, we become like him and we reflect him to the world around us. So this morning, we are going to focus more on the inner work the practice of simplicity does in our lives. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, describes simplicity as the arrangement of life around a few consistent purposes, explicitly excluding what is not necessary to human well-being. And so simplicity is a way to structure our life. And with all practices, there is an action involved. And that's both an inward and an outward working. So before we consider the outward working of this practice, which we'll talk about over the coming weeks, let's look at what is going on within us as we seek to practice simplicity. How do we exercise this discipline within our hearts? And how does practicing it impact our lives? So before we get into that, let's pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you make ways for us to come and better know you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our ears and open our hearts to learn from you this morning as we discover how we can live this life of simplicity from the inside out. I ask this in your name. Amen. And so the title of today's message is Simplicity of Heart. But simplicity of heart is sometimes harder than simplicity of living, of of our possessions and simplifying our lives. We need to remember, as we look at simplicity across the different areas of our lives, that it begins in our hearts. It's an inward attitude that leads to an outward response. And that Attitude and response are developed as we spend time with Jesus. As Christians, as apprentices to Jesus, we are called to live lives that seek his kingdom first. And as we do this, we become less concerned about making a better life for ourselves and more focused on God being at the center of our lives and living his way. And we trust that as we seek his kingdom first, he will provide for us. I believe the foundation of simplicity is trust. We trust that God knows what we need and that he will provide it. We don't need to search for more. We can be settled in what we have. And in trusting God, we find that we have greater freedom. We can have freedom from the need to fill our lives with possessions but we can also live with more emotional freedom. Richard Foster, um, which some of you may know, he wrote a classic book called Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he says, freedom from anxiety is characterized by three inner attitudes. 
If what we have, we receive as a gift, and if what we have is to be cared for by God, and if what we have is available to others, then we will possess freedom from anxiety. This is the inward reality of simplicity. However, if what we have, we believe we have gotten, and if what we have, we believe we must hold on to, and if what we have is not available to others, then we will live in anxiety. Such persons will never know simplicity regardless of the outward contortions that they put themselves through in order to live the simple life. And so today we will look at anxiety and how carrying anxiety, being overwhelmed with anxious thoughts can, can and often does impact our lives in a way that rather than living in simplicity, we are weighed down with what can feel like heavy burdens. Before I go on, um, I do want to say that for some people, anxiety is a much bigger issue, and that's one that you should never be ashamed of. There's space um, for you to receive prayer, but I also encourage you to go to the doctor, get counseling. You know, don't let it be something that's hidden that prevents you from moving forward. I also hope that for all of us, learning to come to Jesus with our anxious thought patterns and our concerns will be a step towards living in more freedom. So let's look at our Bible passage today. Um, if you have a Bible with you, whether that's paper or digital, turn to Luke 12. And as you turn there, I'm going to set the scene a little. So Jesus has been addressing his disciples, teaching them about how to live. After a brief interlude where Jesus addresses the crowd, telling them a parable about a rich fool who stores up treasure for himself, he's back addressing the disciples, teaching them how to live their lives. And so this is Luke 12 from verse 22 through 34. The words will appear on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and so in my Bible, it's titled, Do Not Be Anxious. So Luke 12, verse 22. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the, the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. 
Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is. There will there will your heart be also. And so we know from this passage that God cares for us. He knows what we need in our lives, and his heart is to provide that for us. Our responsibility, our commitment, is to seek his kingdom. Rather than allow our hearts to be caught up in the fear of not having enough, we hold on... We need to hold on to the truth that our Father's heart is to look after us. I'm going to read verses 29 through 32 again from the message. It says, What what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who, who don't know God and the way he works, fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. So we are encouraged, maybe we can go so far as say commanded to seek first the kingdom, to steep ourselves in God's reality, God's initiative, God's provisions. To seek the kingdom is to know who God is and what's on his heart. It's about taking our eyes off ourselves and seeing what he's doing and what he wants to do around us and through us. It means to focus our resources, our time, our energy, our money on what God is doing. It's about living in God's presence and the freedom that he offers. But living in God's freedom can feel harder than we think. In principle, we want to do it. We understand that it is so much better for us. But in practice, we hold on to our worries and our concerns. It's like we want to keep control of our lives, and in doing so, that causes us to become anxious. When we feel anxious, it can cause us to react in a number of different ways. It's not always feeling worried or nervous. It can cause us to feel angry, depressed, or the opposite, and we get exhilarated. What it often causes us to do is disengage, to be distracted, It fills our minds, our beings with attention that causes us to not think logically. We find our headspace taken up with a range of thoughts, and rather than simplifying our life, we find that we have less space and less freedom because there's just too much going on in us. Yesterday, I went to London for the day, um, an opportunity to catch up with some friends, 
and to see Holy Spirit work in people's lives. And I've been excited about this since it got cancelled the week we went into lockdown in March 2020. The day was brilliant, but the weeks running up to it involved way too much of my time wasted on how I was going to get there. Do I drive all the way? Do I drive to the nearest, to the, like the under, where the London Underground starts and get on the tube? Do I get the train? Do I get a travel card or do I book tickets that would be cheaper but less flexible? What time should I get there? What if I'm late? What if I miss the 6.04 train on a Saturday morning? So many questions, so much headspace taken up. Not for just a few minutes one evening, like daily I was checking the train timetable to see what was there. Two weeks ago, I decided that this was just causing a bit too much stress and taking away the excitement of the day. And so the truth is that Jesus was as interested in how I was going to get there than the day itself. And so I asked him to help me make the decision, which then stopped me being so distracted by it. I think we can often try and make decisions on our own. But what we really need to do is let Jesus in on that. And however big or small the decision is, he can help us make it. What we do is try ourselves and then, last thing, invite him in. Corrie Ten Boom, who, along with members of her family, helped many Jewish people escape from the Nazis in World War II by hiding them in her home, she was arrested, sent to a con concentration camp where she shared the gospel. She said this about worry. Worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. The picture that sentence conjures up is one that doesn't leave space for anything else. The swirling around of worry and fear can only take a person further away from the life of simplicity. So how can we live a less anxious life? Is there a way to simplify our hearts and our lives? I believe one of the keys to this is living a more reflective life, taking time to talk with Jesus, inviting him into what's going on, and together with him, making space, making room in our thoughts, our emotions, in our decisions. Rather than our thoughts and our lives whirling round a centre of fear, what would it look like to have Jesus as the centre? Having Jesus at the centre is following the way of Jesus. It's seeking the kingdom of God first. It's being integrated around something and that something, in our case, someone, is Jesus. When we're not integrated around a center, it's easy to feel tense, to feel torn. When we don't know what's at the center, we can become tired, weary. But with Christ at the center, we find peace, that peace deep in our being. A couple of years ago, we did a course that followed a book by John Ortberg. The book is called Soul Keeping, 
and it talks about caring for the most important part of us. In the book, John Ortberg tells of a conversation that he had with Dallas Willard, a great teacher on spiritual formation. And Ortberg recounts how Willard had told him, you're a soul made by God, made for God, and made to need God, which means you were not made to be self-sufficient. In one of his books, Dallas has further explained what is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings. The soul integrates all parts of us. And so there's a diagram that hopefully will help. So in the center, we have the will, our intentions, the place where we make the big decisions in life. Then the mind, our thoughts, our feelings, our values, our conscience. And then the body, which includes our actions, our body language. And all of these things are encompassed in the soul. It's what keeps it all together. Our soul integrates all of this. And to have a soul centered around Jesus helps bring simplicity to our lives. Another quote from Soul Keeping before we move on. To lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. I am a car without a steering wheel. It doesn't matter how fast I can go because I am a crash waiting to happen. Back to our passage today. It encourages us not to worry, not to be anxious. When we get anxious in life, we tend to react automatically without thinking. The more aware we become about how anxiety feels, and the more, capacity we, the more capacity we will have to behave differently. Maybe we feel a lump in our throats or our palms get clammy or our cheeks flush. These can all be signs that we're becoming more concerned about something, more focused on something outside of where our focus should be centered. It's a sign that we're moving away from Jesus and therefore getting more anxious. Sometimes our anxiety is from being overwhelmed. We are simply doing more than we can or we should be doing. And I know this happens and there are seasons in all of our lives where we feel stretched emotionally, physically. And there's grace for that. What we shouldn't be doing is letting the need for love, acceptance, acknowledgement be what causes us to strive if Father God loves us unconditionally, which he does, we need to understand what is stirring us to prove ourselves rather than come to him and know that we are loved simply for who we are. There's a difference between needing to be more and becoming who, all who we are created to be. Striving to be more than we are is often motivated by fear, being afraid that we are not enough, 
or we've been told that we're not enough. This doesn't give us life. It ends up draining us, making ourselves busy to try and stop the fear of letting others or ourselves down is not the way to a life of simplicity. By slowing down the pace of our lives, by being fully present to God, aware of his presence and who he has created us to be, we can enjoy life and live that life to the full. And so we can live a full life and that life with God can be a simple life. Being a, having a simple life, living in simplicity, doesn't mean that our lives can't be full. One way we do this is um, by taking up Jesus' yoke. And it's a fairly well-known story. You may know it. Um, Matthew 11 talks about being yoked to Jesus. So this is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the yoke, for those that may not know, is a heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of two oxen, attaching them neck to neck as they plow a field. And that might not sound very comfortable to you and me, having something weighty on our shoulders, but having this yoke and being connected with Jesus will change the way we walk. The way we carry what we have to carry will be different. So let me explain how a yoke works. This is taken from a book called Your Best Life in Jesus's Easy Yoke by Bill Gautier. To train a young ox, wise farmers who, are, who are, are, careful, are careful not to pair it with another young ox or an ox that has been poorly trained. Young oxen might be strong and energetic, but they don't know how to wear the yoke and they don't know how to pull the plow. They jerk and strain to try to get out of the yoke. The, they charge forward to rush to the end of the job chafing their necks and choking themselves. Or they try to wander off and graze in the meadow. But if you take a young ox and pair it with a mature ox who has been well-trained, then it learns. The lead ox shows the younger how to wear the yoke loosely and lightly. It pulls the brunt of the weight of the plow and leads the younger one to pull the plow slow and steady step by step, straight ahead, without getting bruised or worn out. Jesus is the mature ox we need. And so this picture is one of Jesus teaching us how to do things with him. He takes the strain as we learn to walk in step with him, wearing the yoke lightly and loosely, smoothly and effortlessly, so we won't get worn out. It's an invitation. We choose to take the yoke of Jesus to be connected with him. And to me, allowing him to fully take the lead means a much less complicated life. Let me read the passage again from the message. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, 
from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So this is how we need to live, keeping company with Jesus, with him at the center, not carrying heavy things, but walking in step with him. The power and peace of the easy yoke is that just as Jesus lived father-centered, so we can learn to live Jesus-centered. As we think about how we live a life of simplicity that is centered around Jesus, it's helpful to understand and to set boundaries. Setting boundaries for some is a simple psychological tool, but I really think it's a spiritual discipline that helps us establish a way of life a rule of living, making the decisions on what we say yes and no to before an event arises can help us stick to the guidelines and boundaries we set for ourselves. Obviously, the setting of boundaries is a personal thing. They will be different for each of us. Thomas Kelly, a Quaker missionary and teacher early in the 20th century, wrote about the importance of developing great boundaries in order to become skilled in the inner life. He encourages us to simplify our lives so that we can function from a divine center. In his book, A Testament of Devotion, Thomas Kelly says, the outer distractions of our interests reflect an inner lack of integration of our own lives. We are trying to be several selves at once without all ourselves being organized by a single mastering life within. So in order to untangle ourselves from the distractions in our lives, here are some steps from Thomas Kelly to setting boundaries and in turn living a life of simplicity. We don't deny our emotions. This can be one of the biggest areas that affects the way we live. Denying our emotions can lead to emotional exhaustion. Make space to be with Jesus, to share what is on your heart with him, and therefore allowing him to bring healing, to bring comfort and freedom to the hurt and the pain you carry. We don't be the hero. You don't have to do everything in life. As Dan said last week, we are a community and we live out our lives together. So if there's something you're involved in, something that you need help with, how about asking someone to join you? And another boundary that we may like to, um, what happens when we feel, don't have boundaries in place, we get sucked dry. And so when we say yes to everything, we end up feeling drained. To say no or set a limit on our time can free up space to connect with God and therefore simplify our life. Boundaries in our resources allow us to live more freely. 
to set boundaries for our time, our energy, our money, also impact those around us. For example, if the, in the area of time, if you constantly feel hurried, like you're rushing from one thing to the next, what can you do? First, we recognize we're hurried. Being hurried and being busy are different. We can be busy, outwardly working on a full schedule, but God is still at the center. When we are hurried, we don't have time for God. We're preoccupied and often drained emotionally, physically, and spiritually. John Ortberg says, being hurried is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I am unable to be fully present with God, with myself, and with others. If we feel hurried in our workday, how about setting a little extra time between appointments? We benefit because we're not so stressed, but other people benefit they get a more relaxed, a more present version of us. There's a space to listen better and connect more deeply with people. So rather than we stretch ourselves too thinly, to take on heavy burdens, to be worried and anxious, let's set ourselves some boundaries, making space for God in our lives. Let's seek first the kingdom of God, Let's steep ourselves in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, and live a life of simplicity. To do this, there may be things we need to hand over to Jesus, things we confess to have wrongly carried. We can come to Jesus, to the cross, and make an exchange. We give to Jesus our heaviness, and receive his freedom. The invitation to us is to hand over our anxiety and let him bring healing, to replace the fear we feel with the certainty of his love, to lay down our busy lives and let Holy Spirit show us how to walk in freedom and in simplicity of heart. And so if you're able, please stand. As I've been praying about this during the week, I really felt that God wanted to, to come and take out some of those things that cause our heart to be anxious. And as we, as we deal with them before Jesus, we can then start to walk out life in simplicity. And so it may be that you're doing, you're carrying something that makes life heavy and complicated for you. And there's an invitation from Jesus to exchange that for his lightness, his freedom. It may be that you're feeling you're sucked dry, like you have nothing left to give. And so there's space to lay that burden down and receive afresh, as John reminded us earlier, to receive from that well, the river of life.
Or it may be that there's wounds in your heart which stop you receiving from God. And the invitation is to come to him, to let him into that place to bring healing. And so we've got space this morning to just rest in his presence, to come before him, our saviour, and lay these things down at his feet that we don't have to carry them, that we can live a life of simplicity, of simplicity of heart, because we're bringing our stuff to the cross. And so I'm just going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit 